Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. So what we're going to do is continue our worship by studying the Word of God. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer as we bow our hearts before the Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just being so good to us. Thank you for all the prayers you've answered, the prayers you will answer. Lord, you are so faithful. You're so good to us. You love us so much, and we are not deserving. So, Lord, we just want to give you praise. And, Father, I lift up this night to you. I pray that you have your way in this service, Lord. Have your way in this message. Have your way in each and every one of our lives. Lord, for those who um, been struggling with whatever, Lord, we pray for intervention. If there's anybody who has not put their faith in Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, we pray, Father, that you would lead them to that place of repentance. Lead them to that place where they'll be able to make that decision to receive your son, Jesus. And Father God, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 45. And the title of tonight's message is, Can You Keep a Secret? Can you keep a secret? For some people, the answer to that question is no. But there's some other people in this world, believe it or not, who are good at that skill of keeping secrets. And I would encourage you to know the people in your circle. There's some people that you cannot share a secret with because it would no longer be a secret. They're going to spread it all over town. And then there's some people, of course, who are really good at that. So so pray about that and know the people who are in your circle, the people you can trust with a secret. And there are some things, of course, that should be kept, kept secret between us and God, between us and the Lord. Then there's some things that should be kept secret, of course, between us or maybe another individual who has confided in us. And they confided in us not to share it, but to pray with them, to pray for them. And so, yes, there are some things that we shouldn't share. We should keep them secret. But in tonight's lesson, we're going to learn when it is appropriate to not keep a secret. And just to give you a hint about where we're going tonight, that word secret in my notes and in this lesson has a capital S. So with that hint, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 32. It says, at evening, when the sun had set, and of course the Sabbath day at that point had ended, They brought to Jesus all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, that is, at the door of Peter's house in a city called Capernaum. And in verse 34, it says, Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Luke 4.40 says that he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And then in Matthew 8.16, it says he cast out the spirits with a word. And so as we look at those other gospel accounts, we're able to fill in some blanks there. So that's why I reference Luke chapter 4 and Matthew uh, chapter 8. And and back in Mark 1 verse 34, it says, And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Those demons that he cast out with the word, he did not allow them to speak. And in Luke 4.41, it says what they knew, what these demons knew about him. They knew that he is the Christ, that he is the son of God. But Jesus, of course, did not need demons to serve as witnesses for him. Not only that, but Jesus was going to be revealed and reveal himself according to his father's terms, according to God's terms, and of course, according to God's 
timing. He didn't want to go according to the demon's timing. And so he commanded them or did not allow them to speak. And of course, they listened because he is Lord of all. But as we think about these verses in Mark 1, verses 32 through 34, and thinking about the previous lessons, we remember that this is a busy day for Jesus. It started earlier on that Sabbath day in a synagogue, that place where the Jews met to read scriptures and pray and worship the Lord. And then we saw that in that same day at the synagogue, of course, he cast a demon out of a man. And then after the synagogue meeting, Peter and and Andrew, they, they brought Jesus home with them. And then there, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. So this is a busy day for Jesus. And so now the sun has set. It's it's evening time. The Sabbath day has ended. And so now that the Sabbath has ended, now people are free to, to come to Jesus in droves at the door of Peter's house in Capernaum because those restrictions of the Sabbath day now are released. At sundown. So the restrictions on travel and activities, again, have now been lifted since the sun has come down. And so uh, Jesus has this crowd of people coming to him at the door. And so when all those people came, the scriptures tell us that, that Jesus healed the sick and he cast out demons out of many people. And, and I like what it shows us here as I want to share with you an an application, a spiritual application for us. It it reveals to us that God is not limited to working only during a certain time of the day. And this, of course, is shown in the ministry of Jesus. As he worked earlier in that day in in the synagogue, casting a demon out of the man. And then later on in that day, of course, casting uh, that fever or healing Peter's uh, mother-in-law of that fever. And then now at evening, he's still working. So God is not limited to a certain part of the day shown by Jesus. So in other words, when the father works, Jesus works. And I like what it says in John chapter 5. And before I start reading those verses, I want to share a little background. Because in this uh, very same chapter in John 5, Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath day, the day of rest. And he told this man to take up his bed and walk. But of course, the Jewish religious leaders were not happy with this man for carrying his bed. For carrying, in other words, his sleeping mat. And so when they found out that Jesus is the one who told this man to do that after he was healed on the Sabbath day, the Jewish religious leaders were upset with Jesus and they they persecuted Jesus, wanted to kill him because he violated the Sabbath day, this day of rest in their minds. And so there we want to pick up at John 5, verse 17. It says, but Jesus answered them, that is the Jewish religious leaders, my father has been working until now or is always working and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews, these religious leaders, they they sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Again, when Jesus says that he is the son of God, he is claiming to have the same nature as God the Father, to be of the same order of God, which would make Jesus God. And this is how they understood it. And in John 5, 19, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do for whatever he does, whatever the father does, the son also does in like manner. Again, supporting that point that when the father worked, Jesus worked. 
See, we need God all times of the day. And he's a God in the morning. He's a God in the noonday. He's a God who works also in the evening and at midnight. And that's the type of God we need. That's the type of God we have. That is the type of God we served. And I just wonder tonight how many lives and situations will be impacted and fall apart if God only limited himself to working during uh, only a certain part of the day. People's lives would completely fall apart. In verse 35 in, in Mark chapter 1, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary or isolated place, and there Jesus prayed. So Jesus, fully God, fully man, was a man of prayer And in doing so, this set an awesome example for us. But there's some things I want us to note in Mark 1 verse 35 about Jesus's prayer time. And first off, the first thing to note is that Jesus got up early in the morning and he prayed. He spent time with the Father. And that was true that we can spend time with the Father in prayer And of course, in reading the scriptures, any time of the day, that is true. But early in the morning is a great time. And and many people would, would say and agree that it is the best time early in the morning to get up and spend time with your heavenly father. Because it's at that time we, we receive instructions and we get prepared for the remainder of the day, which would have many hours remaining in that day. So it's an awesome time to pray. But of course, please do pray at all times of the day. But if you could, yeah, get up early, spend that time with the Father, receive instructions. And you'll notice that as issues arise throughout the day, they become easier to deal with. And I personally found this out in my days as a school teacher in the public school. I found out that sometimes when I had my toughest days, the the students didn't seem to be listening as well. And maybe the copy machine was broken that morning and things just seemed to be uh, going crazy that day. I I found as I had a break time or that conference period when I didn't have any students, I was like, you know what? I didn't spend time in prayer or, or I didn't spend enough time in prayer. And I would use my conference time in my classroom and, and I would pray. It's so my break time. I would use that time to pray. And then the remainder of the day went more smooth. The remainder of the day, throughout the remainder of that day, I, I was able to deal with any issues easier or more easily. And you'll find that out as well. But a second thing to note about Jesus's prayer life is that he went to a solitary place. He spent time alone. And yes, there's time to spend time uh, in prayer with your wife to the Lord and or maybe with your future spouse or your children, your family. There's that time to, to pray with them to the Lord. There's also time to come together as a congregation and corporate prayer to the Lord. There's that time, but there's something precious about that solitary time, that alone time, that undistracted time with the Lord. And and we all need that one-on-one time with him. And Jesus shows us that in Mark 1 verse 35, as we seek to mimic, we seek to copy his prayer life. But now what is so important about prayer besides the fact that Jesus, fully God and perfect man, prayed? What's so important about it? Well, first off, in prayer, what we're showing is that we are relying on God. And that's what our Father wants. He wants us to rely on Him. But prayer is also used to get our will in alignment with God's will. It's not to try to twist God's will or get him to change his will to make it in in alignment with our will. But no, the other way around. It's a time for us to make sure that our will is what his will is. And then, of course, the, the third thing that's important about prayer is that It's used to help us to be alert and ready to stand against temptations. Because guess what? Temptations are going to come. 
And I like what, what Jesus told the apostle Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. He told Peter, he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He says that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh or your body is weak. That, of course, could be found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. So prayer, of course, again, is very important. We should have a strong prayer life and we could all grow in that area. But let's continue in Mark 1, verse 36. It says, and Simon, that is Peter, and those who were with him, they, they searched for Jesus. Remember, Jesus went to a solitary place and prayed early in the morning before daylight. So they looked for him. And when they found Jesus, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose, for this reason, I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all the region of Galilee and casting out demons. So now notice in those verses that people were looking for Jesus. And maybe they were looking for Jesus so they could experience more miracles. So they would receive healing. And there's nothing wrong with asking the Lord for healing. But, but perhaps that's all they were looking for, just the miracles and the healings. But as you see in those verses that, that we just read, Jesus' purpose was not to just perform miracles, but a main aspect, a main, a main part of Jesus' ministry was preaching. And there's many people today who are so focused on the miracles, on the miraculous. There, there's so many people today who are so focused on the, the, the signs, the supernatural and even the emotional experiences that they, they, they miss out on the message. And the message that Jesus preached, if you look earlier in Mark chapter 1, is that the time has come, the, the kingdom of God is, is, is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, turn from your sins, believe in the gospel, the good news about Jesus, what he had come to do to die for our sins on that cross, and of course was resurrected. So I don't want to leave the story there at the cross and his death because he was raised to life. He ascended back to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for us, those of us who believe. And so Jesus, Jesus was just not focused on miracles and healings, but on the message the message, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. And those of us who receive Jesus, the king, will be able to enter into the kingdom of God, literally. But right now, we can be a part of his kingdom, citizens of the kingdom of God right now. But just going back to that point that so many people are so focused on the supernatural, the miracles, the healings, and so forth, to the detriment of receiving the, the main thing, the message. And, and there's people like that, even with situations like car accidents, terrible car accidents. And they make it out alive out of, out of that accident. And they recognize that, that, hey, this is something Wonderful. This is something awesome and miraculous that has just occurred. But yet and still they, they don't surrender to the God of the Bible. They recognize the supernatural. They may even use the word that they were lucky. But then they miss out on the message. And the message is that a merciful and a powerful God, a God who loves them has spared their lives. But how about uh, turning to the church for people who are only interested in miracles and not the message? See, some people, they just come for the miracles, come for the healings. That's the only thing they're looking for. They're looking for the, the experience and that's all. And yes, God heals. Yes, God works miracles. So I'm not trying to get rid of that or put that under the rug, but... Don't miss out on the message. And some people are because they're only seeking those things or maybe even an emotional experience. And, and if they don't see those things, if they don't experience those things, then to some people, they really didn't have church. 
And they're not going back to that church because they only taught the word of God. They didn't experience anything. They didn't get a a tingle in their gut or they, they didn't get the goosebumps or anything. And so they're just looking for that experience and missing out on the message and, and God that morning or whether it's, and maybe it was an evening service could have given them a timely word and they missed out on it because they're focused on something else. And, and maybe these people who were looking for Jesus was that same way. And so Jesus clarified the situation. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. Again, that's, that's Mark 1 verse 38. But in addition to not limiting his ministry to miracles, Jesus did not limit his ministry to a location. See, Jesus wanted to work in every place where people needed salvation. And then also, of course, where people needed healing. He just didn't want to confine himself to one area. And that brings a question to mind for us. And the question is, have we been limiting ourselves to where and how God wants to use us? Maybe he wants to use us in a mighty way. Maybe the scope of the ministry he's given to us is, is, is far widespread than we're thinking. Maybe he wants us to do more than we're thinking, but we limit ourselves. And so have we done that? Well, if we look at the example of Jesus, he did not limit himself to any location. He did not limit himself to just being a miracle worker and a healer. No, he came to preach the truth, the word of God. And then Mark 1, continuing at verse 40, it says, Now a leper came to him, came to Jesus imploring or begging Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Luke 5, 12 adds this detail. It says that this leper even fell on his face and and begged Jesus. In verse 41 in Mark 1, it says, then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. He touched this man with leprosy and said to him, I am willing be cleansed. You see, that this man understood that, that Jesus had the ability, he had the power to cleanse him of his leprosy. The only question was, was Jesus willing? And in this situation, Jesus was willing and he said, be cleansed. He spoke the word. And now the, the Hebrew word translated leprosy, just want to pause right there on that word just to clarify some things. It, it, it actually comes from a root word in Hebrew that means to be diseased of skin. And, and, and leprosy was a broad descriptive term for severe skin disorders and includes Hansen's disease, which is what leprosy is known as today. And the symptoms of leprosy or Hansen's disease mainly affect the skin, nerves, and the mucous membranes on the individual who has it. And the symptoms include discolored patches on the skin. The symptoms include numbness of the affected areas on the skin, muscle weakness, paralysis, especially in the hands and feet. The symptoms also included crippling of the hands and feet, so so people look maimed. It also included the loss of parts on the fingers and toes, and that was partly due to the loss of feeling. So, for example, a person with leprosy who has a nerve situation going on underneath the skin level, they wouldn't feel if they were getting burned. And so uh, their, their fingers and toes and parts of their body that's affected would, would be destroyed, and they don't even know it. And so that, that loss of parts of the fingers and toes was, was partly due to that loss of feelings for people with this advanced leprosy or Hansen's disease. And even blindness could occur as a symptom of this disease. But today, according to, to CDC, this disease can be cured if there's an early diagnosis and treatment. But leprosy in biblical times had no natural cure. In fact, the the person with leprosy or the leper was to be isolated outside of the general population of people. They had to be away from people. They have to be quarantined. 
And they, of course, were ceremonially unclean, which means that they could not participate in the worship of God with the rest of the congregation of Israel. And the scriptures tell us in Leviticus chapter 13 that they had to warn the oncomers so they wouldn't be defiled by these lepers. And so these lepers, and warning the oncomers who were coming their way, who were about to approach them and get too close to them, they were required to cover their mouths and, and yell the word unclean. And so these people, again, isolated and maimed and skin discoloration and disfigurement and these things going on with them. People considered unceremonially clean. But Jesus, the scriptures tell us, was moved with compassion. And he touched and healed this leper, this man with leprosy. And in doing so, Jesus actually revealed the compassionate heart of the heavenly father, the compassionate heart of God. And so in seeing Jesus' action, we can see indirectly the actions in the heart of God. And this takes us to a scripture in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus is about to say something to Philip because Philip had, Philip had just told Jesus to show them, to show him and the disciples the Father. And Jesus said to him in John 14, 9, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? What did Jesus mean by that? Is Jesus the Father? Is the Holy Spirit the Father as well? No. The, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit and, and so forth. And Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus. You have three in one. God has a triune nature. We, we talked about that in the past lesson. As we've seen the baptism of Jesus, they were all present at the same time. The Father spoke. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And of course, Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist. And so it's not saying that, that, that Jesus is the Father, but what's going on here is that he's revealing the Father. So if you, you, you see Jesus, you see the Father. If you want to know how the Father is, then look at the life of Jesus. And look at Colossians 1.15, we get more clarity. It says that he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, speaking of the Father. If you want to know how the Father is, then look at the life of Jesus. If you want to know how compassionate the Father is, then look how compassionate Jesus is. And he was, of course, compassionate in this situation with this leper. So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In other words, Jesus existed before all creation and he's first in rank and privilege over all creation. And Jesus, of course, created, tells us that in John chapter 1. So Jesus, once again, reveals that compassionate heart of our heavenly father. For some people, it, it, it is the most compassionate thing to do on, on God's part to heal somebody in this life, on this side of eternity. But for others, the most compassionate thing that, that God feels that he should do is to bring that saint home. And so I want to look at Psalm 116 verse 15 so you can kind of get a picture of God's thoughts and his, and his mind and his heart when he feels that the most compassionate thing to do is to bring an individual home, one of his saints home. It says in Psalm 116, verse 15, he says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's precious in his sight because his saints, his children are not going to be lost. They're not going to hell. They're not going to be separated from him for all eternity. They're going to spend eternity with him. They're going to receive ultimate healing. They're going to receive glorified bodies with no more sickness, no more leprosy, no more weakness, no more crying, 
No more dying. And so precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That is the Lord's view when he brings one of his people home. And so, yes, sometimes that is the most compassionate thing that the father can do that he wants to do. Now, now moving on to verses 42 through 44, because I can, I can park there forever. And, and then, of course, we will run out of time for the night. So in verses 42 through 44, back in Mark chapter 1, it says, As soon as Jesus has spoken, immediately, there's our word immediately in the gospel according to Mark, immediately the leprosy left that man and he was cleansed. And Jesus strictly warned this man and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. As a testimony to them that that you've been cleansed of your leprosy, that you're no longer um, ceremonially unclean. And just so if you're interested in that, if if you're one of those researchers, which is great, be a Berean and you want to know what those things are that he was to offer for his cleansing, you can write down or take a look at Leviticus 14, 14 and you can study that on your own time. But moving ahead to verse 45, it says, however, now remember, Jesus just strictly warned him and sent him away and said, don't say nothing to anyone. And then you see, However, in verse 45, which gives us a hint that the opposite thought or action is about to take place. And indeed, it did. Because it says, he went out, that is this former leper, went out and he began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted or unpopulated places And they, that is the great multitudes, came to him from every direction. Now, as we see in this account with this leper, or should I say ex-leper, because he's been cleansed, he's been healed by Jesus. As we see in this account, Jesus was stern with this man. He He strictly warned him, the scriptures tell us. He was stern with him when he told him to keep this healing, to keep this encounter, this this cleansing a secret. Say nothing to anyone, it says in verse 44. Instead, Jesus told him to show himself to the priests and, and do whatever stated in the law as proof of your cleansing from leprosy. You see, Jesus wanted to reveal himself as the Messiah on his own terms. And of course, at the right time, which is a reminder for us is that God's plan and his timing for everything is very precise. God knows what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, and it's very precise. And so he told this this man to keep it a secret, in other words. Just do what you're supposed to do according to the law, according to what Moses wrote. But this man, the story tells us, he did not do what Jesus told him to do. He just could not keep his cleansing, his healing from leprosy a secret. And as a result of that, it it caused interference with what the Lord was doing. Because it tells us that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. But now that Jesus had gone to the cross, now that Jesus has been resurrected, and now that he has gone back to heaven, to the right hand of the Father, there, of course, is no need to keep Jesus and his works a secret. In fact, God wants us to share about Jesus, about the Jesus of the Bible. Whereas the healed leper spread the matter in disobedience to Jesus' command, when we share about Jesus and his works, of course, we are obedient. Because in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore, and this is Jesus speaking, 
Now is the time. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so when we do it, of course, we are being obedient. And in fact, we'll find just like the healed leper found out. Many of us are going to find that it's hard to keep Jesus a secret. And that's a good thing today because Jesus wants us to share about him. He wants us to share about how good he is. He wants us to share about what he did on our behalf. That we were spiritually broke sinners, could not work our way to heaven. That we could not rescue or deliver ourselves. And so he did the work for us. He became a man. God became a man and shed holy blood for us and washed away our sins. And and now in Christ, those of us who repented, put our faith in him, we are declared righteous. We're justified as if we have never sinned. We are free to share that. He wants us to share that. He does not want us to keep him and his works a secret. And just like the leper find out, we find that those of us who really understand that, who really understand the mercy and the grace of God, we, we, we have that feeling that this leper had that this is too good to keep to ourselves. You know, when people are struggling with their own leprosy, with their spiritual leprosy and the effects of their spiritual leprosy, We tell them about a compassionate God who can heal them spiritually. We let the secret out of the bag that, hey, you're going through some spiritual leprosy right now and it's ugly and it's nasty and you're isolated from people. You're isolated from God. But guess what? I have a secret about God, the fully God, fully man, this this man named Jesus who died for your sin and he can do something about your spiritual leprosy. And leprosy is a picture of sin in a spiritual sense. Because like leprosy, sin starts off small and, and then it progresses, it begins to grow. And then people begin to grow numb to it. If they don't nip it in the bud. And so so sin is like leprosy. Leprosy, in other words, is a picture of sin. Starts small and it grows. We grow numb to it. And we begin to live that lifestyle of sin. And we don't care anymore. And just like leprosy, sin deforms our character. Just like a literal leprosy, physical leprosy deforms the body of the individual who are in their advanced stages of leprosy or Hansen's disease. And so sin, like leprosy, it deforms our character. And like leprosy, uh, sin goes deeper than the surface. It's not just a surface area thing. But no, it affects the nerves. And, and even in Leviticus 13, the sores seem to go deeper than the skin. Not just a surface area thing. So just like leprosy, that sin goes deeper than the surface. And this, and this is actually taught by Jesus in Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19. When he was telling his disciples that it's not those things, it's not food that makes a person unclean or defiled. But in fact, sin is deeper It's deeper than the skin. It's deeper than the surface area. It's deeper than something on the outside like food coming in because if that food goes in, it's going to come out. That's what Jesus said. And that's a fact. And many of you know that well, so I don't have to explain that to you. But what Jesus explained to them in in Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19, he says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile, they make unclean a man they make a man unclean for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications thefts false witness blasphemies or slander and so once again uh, just like leprosy sin goes deeper than the surface and then of course like leprosy sin isolates us from the people who love us sin isolates us it separates us from god 
And so Jesus had to come to become that bridge to connect us to the Father so that we'll have a relationship with him and be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven or in fact become a citizen of the kingdom of God right now. And so those of us who understand the compassion and, and the mercy and the grace and the love of God, we, we find it hard to keep that a secret that this, this compassionate God can heal you spiritually of your spiritual leprosy called sin. But then we also share other spiritual secrets. We also share this secret spiritually about Jesus when, when people are worrying about their needs not being met. We share with them perhaps a a secret that we have. We share about our God who is called a provider. Does the scripture tell us to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, everything that we may be worrying about, all those things that we think that that we need, that we know we need, and we're thinking that they're not going to be met. Those needs not going to be met. It says to just, just to seek God, the kingdom of God, seek his righteousness. All those things are going to be added unto you. And so when somebody is worrying about their needs not being met, then we can share that secret with them that, hey, I know someone who can provide those needs for you. Just seek him, seek his kingdom and his his righteousness, and he'll make sure that you have everything you need. Or how about that person who is in a state of hopelessness? And there's many people right now who are in a state of hopelessness. Even before this, this, this pandemic, this coronavirus thing has been let out of the bag, has, has been let loose. People were in a state of hopelessness. And maybe we'll have that opportunity for people in that state to share that secret with them that, that, hey, you may be in a hopeless situation. You may be in a state of hopelessness right now, but let me share a secret with you with a capital S. Let me share God with you. Let me share Jesus with you because the scriptures calls him, he's the God of hope. Or maybe you're in a situation where you don't feel love. You don't feel that love from your family members. You don't feel that love from your parents. You don't feel the love from work. You don't feel that love from your neighbor. Or maybe, uh, sad to say, feel that love from people within the church. So maybe, yes, you're in a loveless situation. You feel that you are an unlovable person. Well, well, to a person who is in that state, who feels that way, guess what? I have a secret for you. There is a God of love who, 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 who is in the scriptures. We can be introduced to him. He is called a God of love. I want to introduce you to this God. I want to let that secret out of the bag that, that no, maybe you don't feel loved by people, but there is a God of love. And this God loves you so much that while you were still a sinner, not thinking about him, going in a whole different way than the standard of God, he sent his only begotten son, his unique son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. So yes, I want to share that secret with you that there's a God of love who loves you. Or maybe there's someone out there, and I'm speaking to the saints, who may tell you, who may share with you how big their problem is. Well, that will be an opportunity for you to share how big your God is. So, yes, you may have a big problem, but guess what? I have a secret. I have a secret weapon that I want to share with you, that there is a God who is bigger than your problems. And so we let people in on that secret. And even those of us right now as the worship team comes to the stage, but those of us right now at Calvary Chapel of Queen Creek, and of course, uh, many people at different churches who are faithful in sharing the word of God and have the ability to preach the gospel right now. Maybe it is just just a recording on audio or maybe it's, it's something like a live recording like we're doing tonight. But those of us here at Calvary Chapel of Queen Creek and other faithful churches who have the ability to get the gospel out to you, we feel that need to keep preaching and teaching because we feel that we just cannot keep Jesus and his works a secret. 
We, we just cannot keep our God a secret. He is too good to keep to ourselves. See, we understand that, that there's people who are lost out there, that there are people who are dying out there, that there are people who are in a hopeless situation. There, there are people who are confused out there. There are people who are relying on the government out there. There, there are people who are, allowing, who are relying on family members out there. And, and maybe those people, maybe the government, maybe the politicians they support are not coming through. And so they're in a state of sadness. They're in a state of shock. They're in a state of worry right now. And so those of us at Calvary Chapel, Queen Creek, those of you on the other side of this lens that I'm looking through right now, those of you at other local fellowships who are faithful in sharing the word of God, we just want to share that secret with the rest of the world. We want to share that secret with the rest of the community in our state and country, that there is a God, a God of the Bible whom we find out about in the scriptures, who, who is able to heal our ailments, who are who is able to heal the situation in this country, who is able to take care of and solve that, that problem in your life. Again, you may have a big problem, but once again, we serve and we have a big God who is in charge of the universe. And so our goal as believers, as I leave you with this final word, our goal as believers is to make Jesus the worst kept secret. I'm going to say that one more time. Our goal in the body of Christ, and I can speak for those of us here at Calvary Chapel of Queen Creek, our, our, our goal is to make Jesus the worst kept secret. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord that you're so good that, that, Lord, we just can't keep you to ourselves. You've done so many great things for us. We just can't keep that information for ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray for, for all of us, Lord, who call upon your name, who are a part of your family, I pray, Father, that you would stir our hearts to be more open, to be more intentional about sharing Jesus. I pray for anybody out there who's going through whatever you're going through tonight. And maybe you are physically sick. I just lift you up to the Lord right now. And I pray, Lord, that, that you, Lord, would intervene in their situation. That you would solve their issues. That, that you would give them peace. That you, Lord according to your will, your power, your grace would touch and heal them and bless them, Lord, with a speedy recovery. All for your glory. And may you bless them, Lord, throughout the remainder of this week and use them to do your work through the power of your spirit. And maybe there's somebody listening right now who, if you were to die today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. And eternity is real. Heaven and hell is real. Jesus, God in the flesh, talked about hell. Jesus became a man. He always existed. He's the eternal God, but he became a man at a certain point in history to die on our behalf so we don't have to go to hell, so we won't have to be separated from the Father. And so if you would like to make Jesus your Savior personally tonight, you can do that. 
and I can lead you in prayer. And if you mean it, please repeat after me. Oh God, I thank you for the gospel, the good news about your son, Jesus Christ, who died for me. And I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me and I pray that that Jesus would come into my heart to my life become my personal Savior and Lord I thank you for accepted me into your family. Now, I am your son or daughter. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you mean it and you meant it, welcome to the family of God. You are right now a citizen of heaven and nobody can take that from you. And you have the Holy Spirit who has come into you and he's going to help you to, to live the life God wants you to live. And from this point, I would recommend that you begin to read the Bible and if you don't have one, feel free to email us at office at ccfqc.org. We would love to send you a Bible and, and a packet that goes along with it. So again, welcome to the family of God. Thank you once again for joining us. May God bless you. May God keep you. And I just want to give God one more thanks for our worship team. And they're going to lead us in one more song. So if you can... Stay tuned. God bless. We love you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.